Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Les Lawson, and once again, I'm joined by Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. Tonight, we'll discuss the brilliant victory and performance on Monday. I'll also look forward to the game against Aston Villa at the weekend. And between the, the talk about the two games, we'll have a chat about the, the news that was leaked yesterday, or that was broke yesterday, sorry, that, um, that um, James Milner will join Bobby Firmino, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita all leaving the club in the summer. So we'll ask the lads for, for the reaction to that. <clears throat> but we'll start with a look back at Monday's very, very good performance and controlled performance against Leicester. And I'll start with Tom. What did you think of the of the performance, Tom? Uh, team was as expected, I would, I would suggest. But what did you make of the performance? I thought we were excellent overall. I thought, again, it started off, we were playing the ball around and Leicester come out a little bit pumped up, didn't he, as you would expect them, fighting for their lives. But I think Liverpool soon got into the game and then the more the game went on, you, you felt like Liverpool were growing in stature. I think the, I think Curtis's first goal was was brilliant. It was the, the the actual play for the first goal, the ball by Mo across the box for the assist, brilliant. And his his Curtis is finished. That's what we've been asking for for the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We've been asking for Curtis to go forward and add goals to his game. You know, and he and he did his second one was his second finish was outstanding. Again, another you know another assist from Mo. It's just total total solid performance. Well, as soon as we got it a tune up, we were we were in cruise console, and I think Trent's goal overall just just finished it for me. Do so many good performances on the night. Brilliant finish from Trent Alexander Arnold, and it was it was it was interesting that Southgate was there to watch. Curtis and um, Trent in the, in that midfield position, which I think I think now everybody's starting to see. He's totally dictating games now, isn't he? He's he's he, he, he's a marvelous player with such brilliant vision. He's he's got everything that, that Kevin De Bruyne has got. So many other performances. I thought Ali again never lets you down if you ever need them. And um, overall, just a great result. Pete, I thought a much better performance from Fabinho as well. So, what were your views on the game, mate? Yeah, it was. I mean, like Tom said, you'd expect Leicester to come out. They had all the, the happy clappers going, and he was trying to create an atmosphere, uh, you know, to try and put us off our step if you want. And and they look, they look to have uh, a pretty narrow but solid defence, Leicester. And I was thinking it might take some especially to break these down because. I don't think they really hurt us so much uh, going the other way. <clears throat> but they seen, you know, they brought Johnny Evans in and I thought, God, we're going we're gonna to have a go at these. If he hasn't played for a while, we should really take these to town. But in fairness, the first 20, 25 minutes, you look pretty solid. Um, and then obviously <clears throat> we got, you know, with the goal, the, well, the two goals from Curtis in the first half. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and... I think once we got that first goal, I'm not saying we were actually in cruise control, but we had it was reminiscent of, of, of games that we've seen Liverpool play before where they a lot of possession and sometimes it it sort of irritates you that they don't do anything with the ball, but they looked they looked like they could 
car blasted up at times. Um, I mean, both of both of Curtis Jones' goals were were very borderline offside, but they were correct decisions. Um, and whether that was Leicester Leicester trying to play too clever, or whether it was us making the clever runs at the right time, but I made up for Curtis Jones because he's had his he's had his detractors when he's been in the team. You know, I've even heard lads at the match saying it's a waste of a shirt having him in the team, and he's he's proven everyone wrong. He, he, you know, he's come in and. I think one of you know you can mention you can mention uh, Tabino's sort of rise in his um, his game lately, and you can probably put that with Curtis Jones because he's he's doing a lot of work in the midfield. He's he's making a lot of runs. He's tackling back, and I just thought the whole the, the whole display um, on Monday night was fantastic. Once again, I thought although he didn't have a great deal to do, I thought Ali played well in goal. He he swept up. Because one of my fears, I think if you remember the last programme we did, one of my fears was that we give Vardy too much grass to run into and he can really hurt us. So I think with that in mind, he he was a bit of a sweeper keeper on the night. He played well, obviously Mo, you know, chipped in with three assists. But um, I know Curtis Jones will get the man of the match accolade, but like Tommy said, Alexander-Arnold will just get better and better. And the thing I, I think I noticed with Trent is he, he looks like he's enjoying himself in that role. I'm not saying he didn't at right back. I think he, he enjoys playing for Liverpool, whatever, but he just loves this role where he can sort of maraud around the pitch and he hates teams, you know. So, yeah, once again, a fantastic display, to be honest, against the team that could have, could have upset us and we need to take that into Saturday now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with everything you both said there, lads. I I thought, again, it, Liverpool's performance went a little bit under the radar. And what I mean by that is, you heard all the pundits over the weekend sort of oozing about how well Manchester City played against Everton and how, you know, how they sort of declared, basically, when they were 3-0 up. And I thought this Liverpool performance mirrored what Manchester City did at Everton. You know, the the, the first 20-25 minutes was very tight. You know, nil-nil, not a lot of chances being created, not not working the Leicester keeper very much. Liverpool basically keeping Leicester at harm's length, but for a, a quick break here and there. And then, then, bang, we score one, bang, we score two. And they were two exceptional finishes, both both very different type of finishes. And the biggest compliment I can pay Curtis on the first goal, and it was very similar to his to his goal that he scored against Tottenham, was that um, it reminded me very much of a goal that, that the great Ray Kennedy would have scored you know, in, in, in his heyday at Liverpool, coming in late at the back, being found at the back post, and a tidy finish with his left foot. And the second one, was just pure class, a pure class finish. Um, you know, that if if somebody like, I don't know, if Mo Salah would have scored that goal or a couple of players from abroad would have scored that goal, it'd have been getting eulogised about. I mean, Godogan scored what I think was the goal of the season at, at Everton on Sunday. Um, but that Curtis goal wasn't far behind it. Um, so yeah, fantastic performance. So Fabinho was much more like his old self. 
it doesn't sort of change my opinion, to be honest, that we do need another six to come in and compete with Fabinho for that role because I don't think once the new season starts, you can, you can play him twice a week in that role once the games start coming thick and fast. Virgil and Canate were exceptional at the back. Andy Robertson. And as you both said, Trent was majestic just running the game. Um, you know what I mean? He was just he was just imperious in that position, just controlling the game, running the game, playing the game at his own pace. And his goal was just a was just a reward. Do you know and, what uh, Les? Don't yeah, you so- don't, don't you think that that with Trent and 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 Curtis with the with the legs at the moment and what they're doing in midfield and the amount of running they're doing, it's free enough for Fabinho to have that little bit more time and space. Where earlier in the season he was pressurised, wasn't he? Because we didn't have anybody that that could give them him that time and space. And I think he looks he looks far more competent. I think over the last three or four games, I think he, he's improved more or less every game. You know when you we use the c word, the, the the confidence word. But like I think, I think it, it, with him, I think with Curtis, Curtis does so much work off the ball. He he keeps possession, he wins possession, and with Trent as well. You know, like the amount of work they're doing, it's allowing for being able to play his more natural game. Yeah, I totally agree, Tom. I think that we're keeping the ball better, and when we're keeping the ball better. It means that the opposition can't run a Fabinho anymore. And that was where he was getting his weakness. But I still maintain that, you know, we've still got to get somebody else who can play in that position um, to be able to compete with him and also to give him a rest. Unless Jürgen thinks that that's where he sees Bichetic, you know, be playing as the six, you know, to, to, to sort of rotate with Fab. Um, and maybe Jordan Henderson in that position, but I would really like us to buy a specialist six because it's not just going to be for next season, is it? Because let's not forget, Fab is coming up to 30 now. So, you know, we do need to to get his long-term successor into the club. And even if Fab is, is still Jürgen's first choice, then, you know, we've got to have somebody there who if Fab picks up an injury or he loses form again, do we've got a ready-made replacement to come in and take over the mantle? And you know, somebody with younger, quicker legs would be ideal for me. But I have to agree with what you said. His performances have improved over the last few weeks, um, and long may that continue, especially for the last two games of the season, when obviously you know we're hoping to you know to win our two games and sneak into the um, you know into the top four which is still looking difficult because we're relying on other teams to do us a favour. But all in all, you know, we have to be happy with that result and that performance. But I have to say, um, how Mo missed that chance at the end that it wasn't even close. Yeah. Uh, when you looked at it again, you just couldn't believe that he'd missed it. You know, it was that far wide. You know, for a player of Mo's class, I mean, even he couldn't believe that what he'd done. Um, but again, he had he had a hand in all the goals. So, you know, yeah. another, another excellent performance by Mo. Another excellent performance again, I thought. Cody Gakpo were, was quietly efficient again. I thought Louis, I was great to see him get another start and another 
sort of 70 minutes. I didn't think he was at his best, but he, he never hid. He, you know, he was he was working hard and that all bodes well for next season. Um, so, Pete, what did what did you make of the of the performance of of Ibu, Virgil and Robbo at the back? Did you think that was coming um coming more together as a unit now and they're getting used to how that sort of works? I think it is. I think Robbo's actually said in the last day or two. Um, that he's actually getting used to this system now, and he's he's almost said that he, he's he's glad to almost sacrifice his forward play to fit in with you know going to three at the back when Trent goes on his marauding runs and that. Um, I mean they weren't overly tested um, at Leicester, and I think I think Ibu likes to, he likes a good scrap with the centre forward, doesn't he? And Jamie Vardy's not that type; he's a bit wiry and he's quick. Um, whereas the games against, uh, you know, the, the last couple of games that Ibu's played where he's come up against big strapping forwards, like Ivan Tony, for instance, he's he's relished it. He, he, he gets stuck in and he loves the battle, you know. Um, Virgil was just on cruise control from all of the games, to be honest, as he normally looks like he always is. But, um, yeah, so we may see less of, we may see a bit less of Robbo's marauding up the left side of the, the, uh, the pitch. Um, as I say, when Trent goes forward, but he's he said he's quite happy to to fall on his sword almost and, and play that part, you know, and be more defensive than he has been. But it's looking good. It's it, it, it was always going to take time. I mean, when when it first kicked in, and we actually before any of us fans knew what was going on, we'd be at the match saying, "Where's Trent going? He's on the left wing. He's he's playing centre forward. He's he's all over the shop." And now that we know that this, that, you know, they've tried and tested this method, this new system, if you want, and, and I think all of the it takes all of the players to become comfortable with it, not just one or two. But yeah, as I say, I think they had four shots all night. Um, Leicester on targets, and I don't think any really. I think there was one save that, that Allison made that he put he palmed round the post, but apart from that, he didn't really get it our defence and. I think they had a pretty comfortable evening, to be honest, lad. Yeah, I thought, I thought again, I thought Leicester were very, very poor. And they look at a team that sort of, for me, got a one-way ticket to the championship. I mean, they've got two games left away at Newcastle and a home to West Ham. And I think Leicester's hope is that somehow they can take it to the last game. And if they, if they win the last game against West Ham, that they'll stay up. But um, but I just can't, I just can't see Leicester. I mean, they've got so much talent in the squad and the team that you wonder how they could get in that position. But you know, they were just very, very poor, especially defensively. And you just wonder, don't you, whether yeah? And you can think of this one of two ways: they either kept older Brendan Rodgers too long and didn't give themselves a chance to find an adequate replacement. Or they shouldn't have got rid of him at all because things haven't really improved. Um, so I don't know. They, they do look prime for the for the championship for me. Did you did, did you think the same, Tom? Yeah, I thought I thought from from the you know once we went to goal up, Les, I, I thought I, I didn't really. I don't believe that they believed they can get out of it. To be honest, you know they look like a team. 
devoid of not just ideas, but like of leadership, of, you know, just overall everything that you... You made a good point there about Rogers, about whether you kept Rogers too long. And, you know, I suppose the idea was if he was on a runner, he was on a losing streak, wasn't he, Rogers? And once you get on that losing streak, it's very difficult to get off it. Even the good, you know, the really good teams, as we know at Liverpool, when we had, you know, the, with the crowd, no crowd there, and we lost six on the trot. And it, you know, it seemed like Liverpool, you think, how would Liverpool lose six on the trot? But once you get on that losing streak, it's very difficult to get off it. So bringing a new manager, and the idea is the new manager gives you a bounce back. But that did never look like happening, really. So I think Leicester, look, is it, it they're gone. I'll be amazed if they stay up, to be honest. I thought yeah. what you said about, about, you know, overall the way the system, you know, with the three at the back, I think I agree with Pete. I think Robbo, and also as well, I think he's coming to an age, Robbo, where he's not going to be, you know, marauding down the down the flank, the, the, the pitch, and getting back defending. You know, at twenty nine, going to thirty. So I think this new system will get the best out of him and probably prolong his career as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That Tom, you know, with Robbo now coming to to sort of the end of his twenties and starting to look into his thirties, that could extend his career a little bit. You know, because if he doesn't have to make as many as those lung busting runs of pace, you know, and he can sort of conserve his energy a little bit, that could extend his Liverpool career for an extra couple of years. So that that that's a really good point. So Pete, what what did you make of, of Leicester um the other night? Do you think as do you do you agree with both me and Tom that they look you look as though they've all got a one way ticket to the championship? Yeah, you could you could see you could see some of the some of the faces there. After the first goal, the heads went down and that. Uh, and it was noticeable in the crowd as well. I think the crowd had resigned to the fact that they're on the way down now. I mean, it would take two big results for Leicester now to stay up. I can't see them I can't see them doing anything at Newcastle. Uh, they, might, they might do something on, against West Ham next weekend if, if West Ham gets to this European final and David Moyes rests a few faces. I think um, if West Ham gets to the... Conference final, um, he may have a chance of picking something up at home, but I don't think they'd want to go into that position. I think they'd want a bit more surety that you know maybe just a point to do them, and to do that they've got to go to to Newcastle. And in fairness, I just can't see them getting the result up there as much as I'd love them to because it would help us, you know. Um, but when you look at some of the personnel in that team, I know Vardy's knocking on now, um, but you know you've got Telemans in midfield. I think that. That Harvey uh, Barnes is a good player, but defensively they just seem to have gone gone backwards a long way. You know they they would always pride themselves on being a good defensive side, Leicester, uh, and then suddenly they're just creating calamities every week. You know they're letting five in at places like Fulham and that. So yeah, I think I think they've gone. Obviously Southampton have gone. And then it's a case of a hey, another who's going to do it. Do we think Leeds? Do we think Allardyce might pick something out the rab- you know rabbit out the hat for Leeds? Um, I think Everton will probably have enough just to stay up. Um, Nottingham Forest have got a couple of hard games. They've got Arsenal coming up. If they can get a point, maybe a home to Arsenal. 
I think they travelled to Palace. So, yeah, Leicester, it, it's looking pretty grim for Leicester, to be honest. Uh, I can't see them without a couple of miracles happening. I can't see them turning it round, to be honest, Les. Yeah, totally agree. So, Pete, who was your man of the match on, on Monday? Well, as I was saying, you know, Curtis Jones got man of the match, uh, and rightly so, because, as I say, he's had his detractors over the over the, over the the time, you know. Um, once again, Trent had another fantastic game, but it sounds... I, I thought Allison had a great game, and it wasn't just his keeping; it was his all. It was his all-round distribution, his defending. Um, you know, as I say, playing like a, a sweeper keeper. Um, and even though he, he missed that sitter at the end, Mo Salah had a great game as well with the three assists. But overall, I'd, I'd be happy to give it to Curtis Jones because he, he deserves it. The work he's put in, like Tom said, he's not. You know, he works so hard off the ball as well as with the ball. And it was good to see him. And the second goal was a fantastic... I mean, the first goal was a good finish. It was identical to Tottenham. But his second goal, the way he took that, it, it one touch and hit it, it was a fantastic goal. So I'd have given it to Curtis Jones as well. Tom, would you would you agree with Pete there? Yeah, I couldn't disagree with... I think I, I think they give it to Curtis for his two goals. But I think, I think Trent... He's the string puller, Les, isn't he? He's the, he's the man that makes it all happen. He's the he's the catalyst of it all. But I think that's to do Curtis an injustice because I think his two goals overall. I think I would have. I, I, I think I can understand why he got it, but it it was very close between the two of them. But it's been it's been like that for the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? You know, most the last couple of games, the two of them have been fighting for man of the match, which is which can only be good. I thought Mo was excellent. I know he's missed, and I totally agree with you, Les. I totally agree with you. I was jumping, thinking he's in the net there. I was waiting to see the, the net go, you know. It was, the, it was the shock that the ball had gone past it. You know, like, and I'm thinking, well, that hasn't hit the net, you know. it was, And it's when you see how far he missed by, it was like... Uh, you know, like certainly, what did what did the commentators say? A collector's item, and I think, I think that'll go down amongst his his many his many many brilliant goals. I think that will be shown now and again as he was human that he did miss now and again. I think to be honest, yeah. Tom, he, he he gets that many chances over the season. I mean, if if he hit everyone, he'd probably be double what Haaland is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's gonna miss some, you know. Um. But the thing I was just going to mention in passing as, as like, you know, final thing for myself, the away support was fantastic. Oh, God, it? yeah. Wasn't it? The, the singer, he did the Bobby song for about 20 minutes and I think Bobby yeah. Trent scored and they've still been singing it now. So yeah. that away support was fantastic on Monday night. Yeah, I think, you know, I got, I got a text off of Billy, one of my mates who, who sort of is in our sort of uh, WhatsApp group for for the lads we sit with on the cop, and he was saying that was the best away end of the season. That and it sounded like from you know right from where it go, it just sounded like they they were up. The belief was back between the supporters and the team again. And you know the way they the way they sort of you know sang about Bobby you know for twenty minutes on 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 the bounce, and then you know the tribute at the end was fantastic. And mm-hmm. just to just to finish off on the on the, the, the game against Leicester on Monday, I totally agree with both the lads. It was it was a toss up really between Trent and Curtis. But for me, 
I'd give it to Curtis because of the two goals because they were they were the the, the, the moments that sort of enabled us to go into cruise control, if you like, and you know settled everyone down, basically assured us of the three points. And you know, for me, I'd watch Curtis Jones play through the under 18s right through to the under 21s, which are now the under 23s. And he was capable of that. You'd see him do that nearly every game. And that was that was the big frustration for me when he got in the first team, is that he is capable of doing of, of, of getting you close to double figures in goals from midfield. And he just never looked like scoring a goal because he wouldn't take the responsibility on. And now, you know, I'll I'll use it again. He's now got the confidence of a run of games, the confidence of his manager and the confidence of his teammates. And now he thinks, right, I now can show them all what I can do and what I'm capable of. And them, them two finishes were just of a player of, you know, playing with extreme confidence. And and that them two finishes were just exceptional. So, yeah, so while you um, sort of, you know, picked up on there, lads, um, you know, about the singing for Bobby, and of course, this weekend we'll see Bobby, who's now I believe fit and available for selection, so he'll probably be on the bench at the weekend. Um, you know, face his last game at Anfield, but not only Bobby, but also for James Milner, Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, and Naby Keita. The latter two probably won't be in the squad um, at the weekend. So we just wondered, you know, what was your favourite moments for each of those players? throughout their time at Liverpool and what would you give them out of 10 for the contribution they've made over the, over the period of the time at the club? So we'll start with you, Pete, on this one. Did you want me to start with, Les? Anyone it's, up, it's up to you. You do them in, in any order you want, mate. Yeah. I'll, start, I'll start with the man of the moments, if you want, because I know, I know they're all leaving, but like you say, he got such a good send-off at Leicester the other night, Bobby Firmino. And when you think we paid less than 30 million for this lad from Germany, and you know, I remember when he first started, I think he got a bad injury against Carlisle in one of his first games. And I think he was getting played out on the wing, which didn't do him any favours, or he was getting played wide rice. And I know there were a few skeptics at the time saying, We've been had off here by Hoffenheim. He said, This, this lad's not up to it. But God, you know, he. He's been there now since, I think, 2015, I think we bought him. And there's been so many special moments with Bobby Firmino, but the one I'd, I'd have to pick out, not necessarily for the for the actual quality of the goal, but it was his goal that won us the World Club Championship. And that, for me, says it all. I mean, this, this lad's been there, as I say, since 2015. And there's been so many moments that you can pick, but I would pick that one just for Bobby Firmino. And... He's going to be a big, big miss. I mean, I'm, uh, you're hoping that Cody Gakpo is starting to show signs in that sort of position that he could maybe take up the mantle. Um, but he's what a fantastic player Bobby Firmino's been and, and all, the, all the cups and, and, and plaudits that he's won in his time here. But as I say, the one, the one sort of uh, moment I'd pick for Bobby would be that World, Cup, uh, World Club winning goal for us. So, which is your, how about Millie, Pete? Well, you can't really say anything. There's already been said about Millie. I mean, he must be the best free transfer 
that we've that, that any you can say any club's had what he's done when he you know he's he's arrived at us. Um, I've never seen Millie give it, you know, whether he's come on as a late substitute or played from the start. I've never seen him give a display of of anything less than seven or eight out of ten. You always know what you're going to get with James Milder, and he's so fit. Another, he's an, he's going to be another loss. I mean, there were rumours that maybe Liverpool did want him to stay on on the backroom staff as a coach, and I think James himself probably thinks he's got another year or two at the top level. He's so fit. Um, one one thing I could pick out from memory, it it, it was one of his. It, I I just remember the game against Bournemouth a couple of years or so ago. And the goal line clearance that he made that day, I don't know how he got back there. Not only to get to the ball, but actually to keep the ball out the net. And that was that just showed the commitment to James Milner, probably the oldest player on the pitch. And yet he, he got back and saved a certain goal against Bournemouth when I think we'd actually gone gone behind against them. So, um, yeah, as I say, you, you, you can't say much again, against Millie. I've never seen him really have a bad game for Liverpool. Ox? I've got. I feel really sorry for for, for Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Um, I remember. I think. We, I think we got him. There was a lot of talk at the time that, that he was going to go to Chelsea. He was going to stay in the capital and he was going to go to Chelsea, and then suddenly, he, he ends up at Liverpool, and it was a big surprise. And he took time, I suppose, to settle. But he that injury he got again. It was I think in Roma, wasn't it? The injury he got. He, he's never really come back. He's always showed signs of, of coming back. The form that he was in before he got that injury, though, was fantastic. Um, he, he was sort of like the hub of the midfield. He, he was doing all the, you know, he was doing all the donkey work for the other lads. Um, the one, the one moment, if you want to pick for Alex Ockley Chamberlain, it must be that goal in the cop end against Manchester City. It went like an exercise into the corner, absolutely flew. And obviously, you know, we, we knocked them out of, out of Europe on the back of that and other goals and, and the second leg. But I've, I've got a feel, I, I do feel um, a lot of sympathy with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. He's tried comebacks and stuff and and it just hasn't worked for the lad. And I do hope he goes on, you know, he, he gets a move somewhere where he can stay in the Premier League and, and have a, a good, you know, a good couple of seasons before he, he retires, if you want, you know. Uh, lastly, Nabi Keita. What can I say about Nabi Keita? Came with such high hopes. He, he he was turning it up in Germany for Leipzig. He was playing wonderful football, and then we go and spend fifty three million on him. And I don't think the lad's fitness record is appalling. And I don't know if it's the fault of himself or it's the fault of the way Liverpool train. But he just breaks down constantly. Um, I remember him playing one of his early games. I think at Crystal Palace. And he was he was he was gliding through the midfield. It was like he was on roller skates. No one could get close to him. And I thought we've got a player here. And then you know the next thing happens. He's out for eight weeks or ten weeks. And um, I suppose his highlights for me was his first goal because it was a header, which was unlike Nabi. I know he scored a good volley a couple of years or so ago in the cup and the left-footed volley. But I always remember his first goal for Liverpool. It was at Southampton, and I think it was a Trent assist. And at the time, I think we, we went down, we were one down on an early goal and it was it got us back into the game. So, there's not, unfortunately, not many highlights that you can pick for Naby because of his injury record. 
wish him well in the future, but it, it was always on the cards that it, it was it was not going to work out for him. Tom, you start yeah. with Naby. No, I'd start with Naby. Where do you go with Naby? Come with fantastic expectations. I don't think I've ever waited for a player who thought was going to be. He had everything that Stevie had. You know, he could he could tackle, he could carry a ball, he was creative, he was combative. He had everything, but as it turned out, as as Peter said, you know, he started off not too bad, but like for me, I always wondered about. My lads always said to me, you know, they always he seemed to lack heart. Do you know when when things started to go, he'd he'd go down injured and he'd he just sort of disappear. And I I think that is not a Liverpool trait, you know. And I think that was the start. I think of a lot of supporters sort of saying, well, and then he'd be out for six to eight weeks, and you know, and I think. I think you'd ask for, for a mark. I'll, I'll keep. I'll try and keep it a bit brief, but you you ask for a mark out out of out of ten for Naby. Uh, the highlight for me was was two. He scored a wonderful goal against Newcastle away, with, where he dribbled it through. But the highlight goal for me was the one against Chelsea when we played with you know but nobody in the crowd, and he scored. A, yeah, he scored an absolute screamer. Down in front of an empty cop, which just summed him up, really, didn't it? Scoring the goal like that when it should have been a full crowd. But I think overall, Naby, I'll look back at him and, and say, well, that, he was a player that I wish we, we could have got more from. But I think I would have given him six out of ten less. Now, up to Ox, Tom. Ox, now, I, I had this little debate, Jordan. We asked this, someone asked this question, Jordan, a week on Twitter. And you know what? I answer, I answered this before the before the injury against Manchester against Roma. I would give it Ox probably an eight out of ten. I thought he was a brilliant player. He he carried the ball well. He linked up play. He 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 was a good worker. He was always a threat in front of goal. He scored some marvelous goals. The Man City goal that Peter talked about. He scored another one against Manchester City where he where he whacked it into the bottom corner. You know, a, a beautiful goal. He scored some amazing goals. So. It, before the injury, I would have given I would have give Ox an eight, seven and eight, seven and a half, eight out of ten. But after the injury, he was never the same. I think the injury dropped him of his where his elite status. He dropped something. So overall, I'd be really gutted to see him go because I think he was brilliant for the for the squad. I think he was an amazing squad player and a you know a player that you need in your team to bond everyone together. But overall, I think it's six out of ten. You know, sadly, Les, and I'm, yeah. I'm missing. Yeah. Now on to Millie. Millie. I, I thought that game when he, he cleared the ball off the line, I was, for some bizarre reason, thought it was Leicester. But um, I remember it. That was the highlight for me because it was late in the game. We were winning that game and he, he kept it out. from. And how he, not only did he keep it out, he put it over the bar, which was an even bigger achievement, which was absolutely incredible. But there's so many highlights for me for James Milner. He just epitomises everything you would expect of a Liverpool player. He come on, he left nothing, he left nothing off the pit. He, he, he gave everything that he had every time he come on. Sometimes, you know, like as he got a bit older, he wasn't as effective. But my God, you could never fault James Milner. Best free signing we've ever made, I think, as a, at the club. 
than forever. He'd be, he'd be remembered forever. Would love to see him back in the club in some form of capacity as a coaching role later in his later in his career. Because I think he, he he's just meant he'd be a, he'd be a brilliant manager. That lad just got everything. Les loved him. I, I don't know how many you could give him. Give him. Yeah, out, out of 10. Probably eight, probably eight, eight or nine out of 10. Schoolboy at it, Tom. Schoolboy at it. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise for that, boys. do apologise. Yeah, right. yeah. It's Nabby. It's Nabby. I apologise, Nabby. Right. Yeah. So, and now Bobby, Tom? Oh, Les, where do you, where do you begin? Bobby, I know what, what Pete talked about. The injury he ate, he ate his back, didn't he? He went up and landed on his back when he and he was out a while. But Rogers didn't know how to use him. It was when Jürgen found a position for him in the false nine. And then, you know, he, the link up between him and him and Sadio and, and Bobby is legendary. Just the highlights where you, you could. There's that many of them, you know, the turn on the touchline where he left two players just floundering for the ball. Where the step over for against Newcastle to, to the back heel where he laid on Mo Salah for the goal. The goal Peter talked about, you know, for uh, in the in with the World Club Championship. Just he he just he scored a brilliant goal against Swansea, he scored two goals against Swansea. He was in mid-air with both feet off the ground and volleyed one into the into the far corner, you know, for us to win 3-2. Just it, there's just so many. But the one I want to pick, Les, as my favourite, and it is the goal he scored against Manchester City in the Champions League. You know, when the the, the one we we won the first leg 3-3-0, and then Mo got the Mo got the first and he finished it off. Brilliantly, and he it, it just it was the perfect goal for Bobby to score, you know, to take us through to the Champions League final. Just amazing. We'll be a legend for, for whatever he leaves the club, wherever he goes. We'll be remembered by everybody and loved by everybody. Definitely a ten out of ten for me, Les. Brilliant, that lads. I I totally agree with with everything you've said there. I'll start with Naby. Nappy was a player who was marmite to some fans liked him, some fans didn't. I think that this final season has sort of turned the believers now onto the side of the, the doubters because what he's done this season, for me, has been nothing short of a disgrace. You know, I don't believe he's been out injured as much as he, as much as he said he has. And that performance away at Crystal Palace was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a Liverpool player in terms of not trying one iota. And the fact that he got dragged off at half-time and was never seen in Liverpool shirts again just shows that Jürgen thought exactly the same. And then he goes off on international duty at the last international break, plays two games for his country, and comes back and surprise, surprise, he's injured again. I don't believe he is injured. I just believe that the Klopp and the coaching staff have run out of patience with him. As you both said earlier, you know, he was a player who, who we waited a year for to come. He was a player who Twitter eulogised, no, we must sign this player. You know, we eventually get a deal for 
for 53 million and we thought he was uh, going to be our version of Kante. We couldn't have been further from the, from the truth. Um, a player that flattered to deceive and deceived more than he flattered. I would describe him as a player who, who was a luxury player that when the team were doing well, Naby Keita would do well. But when, when you're in a bit of a battle, Naby Keita wasn't a player to have in your team. So my favourite Naby moments, and you know, we has you know, we has contributed, you know, over the past few years, especially last season during the you know, the quest to win all four trophies. But my favourite Naby moments has to be the goal at Old Safford, the first goal in the in the five nil game, in which I thought he was very good in that game until you know he nearly got his leg broke by Pogba. So so yeah. I would only give Naby probably a four or a five out of ten because his attitude let me down. I thought he was mentally weak with his injuries. And you can put, you know, I'll give you a play from the past, Luis Suarez, who would would sort of go be walking out of an away game on crutches with his foot in a boot. And next thing he'd be turning up for training and wanting to train and be available for the next game. Whereas Naby would get a little bit of a kick. And as you both said, he'd be out for, for about six, seven, eight, ten weeks. So, no, not for me. Um, I wish him luck in his, his future career. But he's somebody who let himself down and at times let the club, his teammates, the manager, and more importantly, the fans down. So from And this is from somebody who was a Naby Cater fan, by the way. But I've just lost a lot of respect for him this season. I'll now move on to Ox, and I agree with everything you said. You know, Ox was very, very good. After a slow start, he really picked his game up, got into how Jürgen wanted him to play, and was looking like a real player. And then he picked up that horrific injury against Roma, and was never, ever the same again, which is really sad. The more he tried to come back, you know, the more frustrated he became that he couldn't reach that level that he did prior to his injury. I totally agree with, with both Tom and Pete when I say my, my favourite Ox moments was his goal against Manchester City in the in the Champions League. You know, if, if the net hadn't have been there, it could have took somebody out in the cop because it was it with that much power and, and pace that it was past Edison before he moved. He's a player who could have achieved much more at Liverpool but for his injury. I mean, I would still class Ox as a legend because he never, ever let Liverpool down with his attitude. He always tried his best. He always gave 100%, even if that at times wasn't good enough. Like Tom said, prior to that Roman injury, he would have given him 8 out of 10. But if you'd have to, if you'd have to sort of give him a mark overall, it would probably be a six and a half, seven. Um but yeah, I wish him well in the rest of his career. You know, he embraced the club. And if you look at all of the videos that were on after Liverpool had won stuff, it was always Ox who was leading the singing. And he got to know all the songs that the, the cops sung about the players. And you know, that that was really that was really a nice gesture and a major feel that the players actually got what this club was all about, and he certainly did. I'll now move on to Millie. As you said, total legend, free transfer, what he's achieved at this club 
we couldn't have dreamed of when he first signed. He's played a bigger part than people will ever realise that he played both both playing as a player and off the pitch as a senior professional and vice-captain. He'll be sadly missed. For me, I totally agree with what both Tom and Pete said. The moment for me was that clearance off the line against Bournemouth in the last in the last minute when we're in the season we won the league. Had that gone in and Millie not cleared that off the line, you know, it could have been that that would have stopped our momentum that season and give Manchester City a bit of a lift. The fact that he did what he did just a bit epitomises to me the difference between a totally dedicated, committed player for Liverpool because I couldn't see Naby, Naby Keita doing that. Naby Keita would have just stopped and watched the ball going in the net. So James Milner, for me, epitomised everything that's been good for Liverpool you know, since he since he come to the club and he would be badly missed. And, you know, for the role he's played both on and off the field, I will give him a 10 out of 10 because he's never, ever let the, the team down. And now we come to Bobby. Bobby, you know, is very unique. He's a player who always played with a smile on his face. He was different. No malice in him. He loved the game. He loved the fans. And he got what Liverpool was all about. He was the he was the key part in the in the making of the Salah, Firmino, and Mane partnership for front. Without Bobby, that wouldn't have worked as well as it did. He was he was to 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 Mo and Sadio, what Kenny was to Rushi, what Keegan and Toshak were to each other, and, and with Stevie Highway as well, and what John Barnes and Peter Beasley were to John Aldridge. He was that good, was Bobby. Some of the things he would do on the ball, his flicks, they, they, were, they were underrated by many, but not by the Liverpool fans. It'll be it'll be a really sad occasion on Saturday when he, you know, when the final whistle goes, and that'll be the last time we'll see Bobby at Anfield in a competitive game. It'll be very emotional, just like it was when he come off the bench and scored. You know, the goal against Manchester United after coming on. And again, there was there was a lot of emotional people on the cop that day. My favourite Bobby moment, I agree with Tom. It has to be that goal against Manchester City in the quarterfinals of the Champions League at the MTAD, where you know he, he put that in the back of the net and he is eased our nerves, you know, about getting through that day. A total legend. And you know. That song will be will be sung long and proud at Anfield on Saturday. And for me, you know, another 10 out of 10 for Bobby. A very unique footballer. And in a way, it'll be a bit more emotional on Saturday for me than when both Stevie and Carol left and maybe some of the other legends like Kenny and Rushy and people like that. Because with them, you knew we'd always see them at Anfield because... They, they lived in the area, they stayed in the area and, you know, they loved the club just as Bobby does, but they were always going to be there on regular occasions. Robbie Fowler's another one. But with Bobby, he's Brazilian. He'll probably go home after he finishes his career and settle maybe in Brazil again. So, you know, the chances of his seeing him at Anfield again on a regular basis is very, very remote. So I hope he gets the the adulation, which I'm sure he will, and along with, with Millie and Ox, 
you know, the day they truly deserve on um, on Saturday. And, you know, and thanks, you know, for all the all the memories and, and the, the help you, you, you sort of contributed with the team to bring us all the success we've had under Jürgen. And just one thing to pick up what, what both Tommy and Pete said, the best thing that happened to Bobby was Brendan Rodgers losing his job. Because if Brendan Rodgers hadn't lost his job, we wouldn't be talking about Bobby Firmino, the legend now. We'd be talking about Bobby Firmino, who was another player that Brendan Rodgers didn't know what to do with. So thanks for the memories, Bobby and Millie Ox. And you'll never walk alone and good luck in the future. So just before we move on and preview the game against um, Aston Villa at the weekend, I'd just like to say that at the seventh minute of the game against Aston Villa, there's going to be a round of applause in memory of Dan Kay. Well-deserved, will be sadly missed by so many. Um, and so, just to remind that everybody's in the in the ground on Saturday, don't forget to join in those applause. It'll be a comfort to all his family and friends. And, you know, for Charlotte and her family who are very close to, to Dan, you know, a heart to with you, Charlotte and the lads and your, and your husband, you know, and I hope that, you know, it was your lads, Jacob's idea to do this and it's it's gone viral. So well done, Jacob. And um, let's hope Dan gets the send-off he deserves. So over to you, Pete, for your preview of, of the game against Aston Villa at the weekend. Um, do you think there'll be many changes, if anything, the team that, mm-hmm. that starts against... Villa? I don't think so, Les, no, because we're in such a, a, a rich vein of form. I don't think we want to upset it too much. Uh, obviously, we don't know if there's any knocks or bruises from the uh, Leicester game. But I would expect a pretty pretty well unchanged team um, going into Villa. And the thing we've got to remember is we're, you know, we're, we're saying, I think we've, we've qualified for Europe now come what May, even if we don't pick any more points up. But we need to, we need to have a go at Villa. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Under under Unai Emery, he played some nice football, Villa. Um, and you know, in Ollie Watkins up front, um, I, I think he's I think he's a really smart smart forward. That lad, he's a good lad. Um, so from our side, no, I can't see there being any changes really, providing everyone's fit and healthy after the Leicester game. Um, and I can see it being an entertaining game. And as I say, we're we're hoping that either you, either Man United or Newcastle are going to slip up so, somewhere along the way. But we've got to play our part as well and we've got to get three points here and hopefully still be in the mix for the last game against Southampton. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The, we've played Aston Villa a few times for some reason, the last game at Anfield of the season. And there's been some entertaining games. I remember Jibble Sisi getting a couple, I think it was just prior to the uh, Istanbul final. Uh, and I think they've, they've played as last game of the season a couple of other times and they normally bring a healthy following with them and they're normally up in fancy dress, the Villa fans, for a good day out. So hopefully we'll get a good football game to, uh, to see, you know, to do it justice as well. Tom, do you think there'll be any changes on Saturday or would you go unchanged as well? I think I think there'll be, there will be many changes. I don't think there'll be many changes, Les. I think the back will take care of itself. I think the midfield will probably take care of itself. But you never know. You might bring Henderson in for Fabinho, or you know, or, or likewise. You you don't really know. And um, 
I, do you know what I expect Nunes if he's fit to, to, to play some part on on Saturday? I I don't know if he'd put him ahead of Gakko at the moment though. But um no, it'd probably be more or less the same side, I think, Les. We might be one one change, I think. Yeah, I can't to be honest, lads, I can't see there being any changes unless anybody's got a knock. Um you know, there's been there's been like a five day gap between the games and then you know, after Saturday, there's another eight-day gap before we played the final league game of the season. So I think you'll probably go in with the with the same eleven. I hope that that Nunes is fit to take his place on the bench, and it looks like Bobby's going to be fit to, to take his place on the bench as well. And I think it will be you know, it will be a difficult game. Villa have improved massively under Unai Emery. Um, you know, I like Jacob Ramsey in midfield. You know, Watkins can be a bit hot and cold, but when he's when he's hot, he, he's a handful. So it'll be interesting to see how you know our, our new sort of back three handle him. Um, so yeah, it will be it'll be a um, a difficult game, but one I'm sure that we can get we can get three points to keep hopefully keep the pressure on on both Newcastle and Manchester United at least to keep them honest and make sure that if they want that fourth place, you know they've got to they've got to go out and win the games. To get that fourth place, not by us dropping points there to sort of help them secure it without really working for it. So, Tom, what would you say would be your prediction for the results? I, I, I fancy us to be. I fancy us to be. I always fancy us to win any less, but I think we'll beat them two 0 I, I think I think they are playing well, but they're, they're also they're also quite what's it called for a defeat, aren't they? Along the way, they they, they do get beat along the. You know, they're not. They're not prolific. I know he's got a good record with them. He's got more out of them than Stevie got out of them. But I still fancy Liverpool to beat them. I think we're overall a better, a much better side than them. And I think we're playing with loads of confidence. I fancy us to beat them 2-0, I think, Les. Well done for using the C word, Tom and Proud. I'm not using confidence. <laughs> it's, it's confidence doesn't exist. It's a mental thing. Yeah, Come on. I mean, I'm going to frame that that bit. We're playing with confidence. I'll I'll frame that bit, Tom, and use it use it every time you say it doesn't exist. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Pete, what do you reckon, mate? I'll go for the Boothies favourites. I think three one. Um, I'm I'm glad that we've been keeping these clean sheets, but I can see us getting a you know two or three goals on Saturday. Um, so yeah, I'll go for three one. I'd be happy with three one. Yeah. Bobby should come on. Bobby should come on and score a penalty in the 90th minute. That'd do me great. Yeah, that'd be. Wouldn't be a dry eye, dry eye in the place if be, that. Be reminiscent to when Aldo came on as sub that night yeah. against Palace, and and he, you know, the the actual crowd got him on the pitch rather than anyone else. They were paying for him to come on. So hopefully we'll see Bobby later on in the game, and he can maybe polish it off. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh, as as Tom says. Yo, I'll use the word again. Liverpool are playing with confidence and the, t- the players in, within the team are playing with confidence and they've got confidence in each other again. So I'm going for uh, a 3-0 victory for Liverpool at the weekend. And you know, that will take the confidence then into the last game of the season against Southampton, where I expect a confident Liverpool to go and get a further three points. So I'll now... On that note, I'll now go over to a confident Pete <laughs> to go on about <laughs> you know, his double agents. 
So I think there's, too, there's far too many to mention. There's there's well over 30 players that have played for Liverpool and the Villa. Like, But the first three I'll mention, I don't think even even if we we put our ages as an aggregate score, I don't think we'd have seen any of these players. But they should be names that good Liverpoolians know. One of them, Sam Hardy, who was a goalie for Liverpool uh, in the in the early 1900s. And he, he played 240 games for Liverpool and then he left for Aston Villa. Uh, and over the over the straddling over the two clubs, he, he played quite a few times for for England as well, and he actually won two FA Cups with Aston Villa when he went there. Another one is Gordon Hodgson, who one of our record he, he's near the top of the record goal scorers, two hundred and forty goals, two hundred and forty one goals he scored. Um, he was actually picked up by Liverpool. He was with a South African touring team. And he was scouted by Liverpool and, and he came to Anfield and he played nearly 400 times for Liverpool. Uh, he didn't play that many for Villa. He, he only played just less than 30 games. And the third name is a name everyone on Merseyside will will know, uh, Dave Hickson. He, he played 67 times for us and he'd obviously played for the, for the Blues as well across the park. Um, he scored 38 goals for Liverpool in, in less than 70 appearances, um, but he only ever scored one goal for Aston Villa. He played quite only only a dozen games for Villa. Um, there's another raft of goalkeepers that have played for both sides. Uh, I think we've mentioned a couple of these before. David James, um, Brad Friedel, and obviously Pepe Rayner, who, who went there after... After a movement from Liverpool, he, he moved around Europe a bit and he ended up at Villa. And then Scott Carson, who, who was actually on loan to Villa from Liverpool, but he's probably best remembered, as, certainly by myself, for, for the game he played against Juventus at Anfield, some of the saves he made in that European Cup game. And then going on to a few, I'll, I'll only name a few of the outfield players, but we got a, a European Cup winner, Milan Baros, who, who went to Villa. He joined after we'd won in Istanbul. Um, Paddy Berger, who did a roundabout tour after after going down to Portsmouth from us, he, he went to Villa. Um, Joe Cole, who sadly didn't really hit the heights at Liverpool and he only played a dozen games or so towards the end of his career for Villa. Um, looking down, there's obviously Stan Collymore, who we've mentioned before, and Peter Crouch. <clears throat> there's a young lad it was going to be, I thought he was going to be a fantastic player and he was like, almost like a pop star coming to Liverpool when he joined Alan Evans. Um, and he, he he played over 100 games for Liverpool, but sadly he he, he didn't last too long and he, he left uh, in, I think, 1972. He went down to Villa. We've uh, got Tony Haitley who's in there. Emil Heskey, who, who's had quite a few clubs. Uh, there's two players who may well feature on Saturday. There's our own James Milner, of course, um, and Philippe Coutinho. I'm not sure how he is fitness-wise for Villa, but they're the two who are current double agents anyway. Um, and one of my favourite players um, who came to us from Villa, but he started his career off at some small club over the, over the park at Everton, Steve McMahon. And he was a fantastic player for Liverpool. And he, he, in fairness, he was he was a fantastic player from the, from the day he stepped on the pitch as a kid. Um, he'd obviously, you know, played for City and and people like that after. But I know Kenny was anxious to get him, 
Um, and it didn't quite happen for him from Everton, but he, he went to Villa, played 75 games for Villa, and then we we got him and you know exactly what Steve McMahon was all about. So there's quite a few players there. There's one player who will mention, um, Thiago Ilori, who played three times for us. And he actually went on loan to Villa, but he never got a game. And I think there was big hopes for him. I think he was a centre-back or a defensive midfielder. He was a um, centre-back. <coughs> Sorry. He was a centre-back, please. Yeah. And... Um, I know there were high hopes at Anfield for them. He was doing well in the he was doing well in the youngsters team, but he only ever made three senior appearances for Liverpool. So yes, yeah, so there's quite a few. As I say, there's there's so many I could I, I could go through. There's almost forty players who've been double agents. But um, we've got one more game after this, and I think what I'll do for the last game of the season is I'll just pick a, an eleven of double agents against Southampton because once again there's quite a few who've played for both teams. I think half of them are there now, to be honest. Um, so I'll, I'll try and pick a 1-2-11 for the Southampton and just go through from goalkeeper to striker on that. Yeah, one, just one there that I remember because it was there. It was a memorable game when he when he sort of left Liverpool and he made his debut against us after we'd sold him to them. It was Dean Saunders. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was at that game, Les. That was the Ronnie, Ronnie Rosenthal Ronnie, Ronnie game. Yeah, Ronnie <clears> Rosenthal. <throat> that'll be remembered for, for Ronnie Rosenthal. You're with the bar. But it should really be remembered for one of the worst debuts I've ever seen by a Liverpool player in Torben Picnic. Yeah. And now now when you talk about when you talk about central defenders, for those anybody who's young enough to be to be listening to this, who never actually had the the unfortunate experience of watching Torben defending the in the, what was then the first division, I think, before the Premier League was. Oh was God! He was absolutely terrible. I could just imagine a defence with him on the left side at centre back, and our friend Paul Konchevsky, who we can't go a show without mentioning at left back. He was <laughs> absolutely terrible, and you know, as I say, um, he he made his debut for Liverpool that day. Every all Liverpool fans were, were looking forward to watching him play, and then at the end of the day, on the coaches on the way home, we said, "Oh no, what have we bought here?" And he never lasted very long, thank the Lord. He um, was he was brilliant. He was brilliant at whooping the crowd, though, wasn't he? <laughs> running, running, waving his arms at the crowd as he's yeah. getting skinned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was bad though, what he told. Bad. Bad. He oh. made Dean Saunders look like Pele. He did, didn't he? <laughs> I just remember, I just remember one time Dean Saunders sort of got running round him and him just doing a pivot in the mid- in the middle of the field to try and stop. And oh. I was like, what the hell have we bought here? And, um, and oh God, that was that was it. That was a chastening experience that you know to, to see his debut. Anyway. On, on that light note, um, we'll we'll finish today's podcast and give you a, a heads up that uh, next week will be the 50th anniversary of Liverpool winning their first ever European trophy. And we'll do, we'll be doing a special programme on that with John Green, who was at the game in Mönchengladbach 50 years ago. So he'll be telling you about all his experiences on that. So look out for that one in the early part of next week. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank Pete and a very confident Tom for joining us tonight. 
And I look forward to you all joining us next time. But all remember, don't buy the sun, justice for the 97, and you'll never walk alone.